on this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. A high interval training, but doing it two to three days a week for most people in the general population is more than sufficient. It's, it's necessary to recover. If you're doing more than that, you're probably overdoing it. Even in that elite athlete population, especially if you're in that comp- competitive mode, you gotta figure your sport is probably your hit training. Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing well, Michael. How about you? I'm doing well, doing well. Got so we're the gonna, same uniform on today. We, we do. It's it's a way too close. I'm too close for comfort. Let me see your shoes. All right, a little different there. Little different. We're good. We got the black. We got the old white top on. Yeah, that, new black performance yeah, logo gear. New logo gear. Nice. I think in my closet, I probably have every brand that we've had since my in my 12 years here. I may have gotten rid of like the the brown one that was never my favorite. Remember the old yeah, brown one? I remember one? that one. Yeah. A little saying on the back. I can't remember what it was. Though. I forget as well. But it's, it's also a good uh, testament to brand loyalty. We have clients who've been coming in for still 15 plus years. You still have the old ones and they like, take it. pride in bringing it in. So that's pretty cool. All right. So we're going to talk about another article here. This one was highlighted in uh, the Wall Street Journal probably about three weeks to four weeks ago at this point. Um, so we're, we're taking some time to take that data and then go into the original article. So again, going along, seeing kind of what's out there in common media, then digging into kind of the peer reviewed literature to see kind of where it's coming from. So this was an article published in cell metabolism, which was not a journal I was previously privy to. So, uh, shout out to cell metabolism, but a good article, uh, it's entitled exercise, sorry, excessive exercise training called mitochondria, uh, causes mitochondrial functional impairment and decreases glucose tolerance in healthy volunteers. So kind of just digging into what all that means. The healthy volunteers were, I think, five females and six males, just 11. So it was a low, we'll call a low sample size, so not a, a large group. Uh, and what they did with excessive exercise training, they did something called HIT training. So HIT training, most everyone has heard in some form or fashion, just stands for high intensity interval training. So typically it's a training load that is, gets you to about 80%, um, upwards of 80% of your maximal heart rate. Uh, sometimes people just go off of rate of perceived exertion. So it's like an eight out of 10 on with 10 being, you know, you're working so hard, you have to go to the hospital, zero being you're not working at all. You're completely sedentary, something on that, those higher scales. So typically we define it based on heart rate range, but based on the source you're looking at, you may see a little bit differently out there. Um, so basically they ran individuals through different versions of hip training over these four weeks and tight. I know um, you can get into that a little bit, but just, just, Go dig into the title because it's kind of a confusing title. Mitochondrial function. So mitochondria are just the primary sources of energy within our cells, kind of the powerhouses of energy. So they have um, a vital role in something called ATP production. So it's just energy that's produced. It's called ATP is an acronym, adenosine triphosphate. So it synthesizes that. It also helps with um, reactive oxygenation species. And if we talk about antioxidants, what antioxidants do is they function within your mitochondria to uh how do we say this, prevent the, the negative effects of um, free radicals, right? So free radicals are stuff that destroy our chromosomes. Uh, they can cause cancer. All the negative health effects come from free radicals, antioxidants, and ROS species are something that are positive. So that's just a overcomplicated version. My, my intent was to make it simple, but it's hard to, to kind of define what mitochondria do. So hopefully that made sense for someone out there listening. Um, so basically they were looking at the effect of mitochondria function by exercising in these healthy volunteers. So how did they break out the exercise that? Yeah, basically, as you stated, 11 healthy uh, men and women, they pre-tested, looked at their current fitness levels, uh, their metabolic health, sugar levels throughout the day and kind of measured that. Their program 
you know, was a four week build of that high intensity exercise program. It started the first week where they had two sessions. Uh, they were using a, a stationary bicycle doing intervals, four minute intervals week one. They did a four minute interval, a three minute rest period and repeated that five times. So a pretty intense program for anyone who's done interval training. A four minute piece is, is quite a long time to sit at, you know, 85%, uh, you know, max heart rate. So intense there, followed that up, took muscle biopsies, uh, constantly assessing blood sugar levels. Week two, uh, they kept the routine pretty much the same, uh, but they added a session. So they did three sessions a week, but instead of doing four minute intervals, they increased it and doubled it to eight minute intervals, which was, you know, four was already hard, but now eight. And I think they keep the rest period uh, pretty much the same week three. They bumped it to five sessions, uh, and what they did is they alternated the intervals. They did a four-minute interval rest, uh, eight-minute interval, uh, and rested, and cycled that through five times. Week four, they gave a recovery period. They cut week three in half and doing half of that amount of exercise. So some interesting things uh, came out of the testing as they were looking at the individuals. By the end of week two, they saw that most of the subjects were fitter. They were actually, you know, the body was adapting to the stress loads that were applied and the body was actually doing better. Sugar levels uh, were modulated and doing much better with the exercise. And the mitochondria, the powerhouse uh, in the cell, as you explained, were more effective at producing the ATP. However, going into week three, when they started to really layer on and they got to that fifth session and they were staggering the intervals, they started to see the power production flatten out a little bit. Uh, mitochondria were only producing sixty percent of the energy that they were the, uh, uh, when they were when they were peaking at uh, week two, and blood sugar uh, levels started to slip a little bit in control. So, as they dug a little bit deeper going into week four, you know they're anticipating okay we're going to go into a re recovery phase. The body should adapt and recover, and we should get back to a normal level. Uh, that that there was recovery, but it wasn't everything they expected. You know, there was still twenty percent less energy production coming out of the mitochondria versus what they were seeing at the the height at week two. The uh, overall blood sugar levels again better, but not perfect yet. So the gist here is, you know, hit exercise workout programs should not be excessive if you know your overall goal is to optimize your health so interesting study um thoughts what are your thoughts here as we dig into this? yeah i mean a couple a, a lot of thoughts one is like that's this is a miserable training program like if you're doing five times eight minutes on a bike at 85 percent over like very few people can actually do that and tolerate it so that's like overtraining to the max um you know in the fitness realm we typically look at like if you're taking someone to lactic threshold and you're putting on a, a bike test, right? You're getting on maybe a, an Airdyne bike, you're going 85% heart rate or max. You're just basically saying, go as fast as you can for as long as you can. Very few people can go beyond five minutes, right? So this is taking them pretty much to that lactic threshold multiple times a week. Um, so it's not surprising that they overtrain. So anyone who, who has done HIIT training and trains kind of looks at this and says, yeah, of course this is excessive, but it is good data to substantiate that there's a balance to everything. Um, and that, even if you're doing some overtraining for you know 
as little as a week, it takes a long time to actually recover back to those baseline levels. Um, and even in that recovery week, they weren't as good as they were in that second week where they're kind of at that optimal training threshold. So I think, you know, moderate training uh, or a high interval training, but doing it two to three days a week for most people in the general population is more than sufficient. It's, it's necessary to recover. If you're doing more than that, you're probably overdoing it. Even in that elite athlete population, especially if you're in that comp competitive mode, you got to figure your sport is probably your hit training. So if you're in season, you're, you're probably limiting your hit training maybe to one, two days a week at, at best. Usually you're in that competition phase, your periodization cycle, you're not really going into that. So I think if, if I'm looking at this and I'm an athlete, I would say it depends on where I am in my training cycle. If I'm looking at this and I'm the, the CrossFitter, I have to say, okay, like, am I going into my CrossFit workouts and, and just crushing it? And I'm doing that seven days a week, or am I doing, you know, two to three really good lifts, uh, really good sessions where I'm at 85% or more and my heart rates up and my lifts are, you know, my lifts and my performance are also increasing. Um, then you're probably in the sweet spot, but I find that, you know, we see people too late because they're already injured yeah. is usually because they're already overtraining. Yeah. That you, you covered two things that I want to talk about the individual athlete that we see coming in the, uh, office. We can use that CrossFitter for example. And unfortunately we usually see them when they're injured and then, you know, we get them back and then we talk about performance and how do we balance this out. A lot of people go into activities and they think, I got to kill it. I got to kill it. I, I think that there was a mentality uh, years ago in how we train. You train harder, you train harder, and you're going to improve. What we've seen through the years is it, the harder you train and if you're not balancing it with appropriate recovery, your, your performance actually decreases. And this study supports that. On multiple levels, mitochondria, blood sugar levels, everything happening within the body. I also think about some of the athletic teams we work with and the programming that we help the coaches set up for the, their seasons and their off season, right? It's, there's a lot that goes into this. So from a team component with, with our team, with coaches, uh, building out a sport, it's, you know, you got a 13, 20 week season, you've got an off season, you've got off season training it's a year long assessment. It's a long map that we kind of draw out and you're trying best guess and every, and you've got, say you've got a, a team of 40 athletes. It's hard to get everyone to in balance there. So I think we should pick a little bit of each of those apart a little bit more. So let's start with the team aspect. And I know we've, we've coaches and then you leave it to the coaches and you're like, okay, you got to keep an eye on the athletes. And when do you notice the performance go down and when do you back off? When's too much? Talk to me a little bit about when you're working with teams or, you know, these coaches, what are you kind of cueing them for? And a lot of these coaches are really good at, you know, seeing what's happening. Sometimes they can't figure out why, because we can't control the athlete at home, what they're eating, how they're sleeping, et cetera. And then it's the team approach that really helps to balance. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing they look at and care about, which they should, is their performance, whether it be on the field, on the water, et cetera. So we look at, you know, crew, I think is a great example because their sport is essentially hit training. Like if you're in a race that that's 85 to hundred percent effort, like all the time. Right. And then when they're not on the water, sometimes you find them on the ergs, just crushing five K's or et cetera. Um, or they're doing like these lifts where they're doing kettlebell swings and things like that. None of them are bad in and of themselves, but when they're in a competitive season and then they're doing all that stuff outside of it, it probably is too much. I think just based on proximity, like we're right next door from, 
from uh, Greenwich Water Club where they have Greenwich Crew and we work with a lot of crew athletes. So I just use that sport as an example because I've seen it a lot. I've, I've seen them on the injured side. So getting back to the question, I think just performance, so you're looking at crew could be your, like the 5K time, you know, they're either plateauing or they're going backwards, even though they're training and they're training super hard or on the water, they're doing the same thing. You know, if it's, you know, a field sport, just their performance on the field, how they're feeling, are they in the athletic training room a little bit more? Are they, you know, complaining about aches and pains? Um, mentally, are they seeming burnt out as well? Uh, I mean, I think there's performance metrics, there's the the burnout feature, and then there's the injury feature. That's kind of like the the triad that I always look at. Um, but I think that's why it's really important just to work with someone. And a lot of coaches now know a lot more than than ever, um, and they're on board with these things. Is when 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 we started, it was always just the the mindset of like, ah, that person's just lazy, or they love the athletic training room, but they they see that they're not performing as well, right? So it's not it's not that they're being mentally soft. It's actually that your your training is kind of off, right? And bring in people that are more knowledgeable than than them to help with the training. Now, most of the coaches I talked about, they have their athletes on a whoop strap or on a aura ring. So at the professional level, they're, they're looking at it and saying, you're not training today because this is what your data says, right? You can kind of get that even in commonplace because we have very cheap, accessible ways, whether it be an Apple Watch or your health app on your iPhone to kind of track and navigate some of these things. So I would just encourage people to look at it and say, okay, if you're not on a team and maybe you're an older in life and you're just, you want to go and you want to do that workout every day, you know, what's your ultimate goal? Your ultimate goal is to feel better, live longer, live healthier. Some days you should just say, okay, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to go for a walk and I'm not really going to get my heart rate up. I'm going to be outside in nature. I'll do some deep breathing. And that's my workout and view that as a positive, not as like, I took steps back today. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You kind of brought the team back to the individual here. I look at, you know, even myself over the last five years of just not pushing so hard and giving those days of recovery. The hard part, you mentioned wearables. I think wearables are playing a a much bigger part with individuals day to day, how they train, how they live. And I think in the next five years, it's just going to be everything we do. It's going to be measured and there's going to be a metric. And I think it's a good coaching uh, tool for us uh, to teach our clients just how to look at how their body is responding each day. And even though they have on their calendar, as you said, okay, I got a hard workout schedule today. Maybe it doesn't happen that day because you didn't sleep or there was some other stress in life that, that pushed the body and you give the recovery that's necessary. And then the next day you jump back at it because your, your, your body's ready. So I think the study kind of brings this to light from the high intensity standpoint of pushing the body, pushing the body, not enough recovery or even some recovery, but how do you measure when it's enough? We saw that at four weeks in the study, it still wasn't enough. So to your point, the amount of exercise here was just off the charts. So they were really pushing it to the extreme, but I think there are athletes out there that do this. And this isn't just for the extreme athletes. I think we can, you know, adapt this to just everyday athletes and it's age dependent. It's physical, you know, activity dependent. It's what's their health state, where are they starting from? We see a lot of individuals that, start from zero trying to lose 20 pounds and they go out and start running five, 10 miles and you know, every other day and they wonder either why they're injured or the body's not producing the outcome they're expecting. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with a couple of clients who've read this in the times and they're like, Oh, hit, hit training's bad. And I was like, well, that's just cause you don't like doing battle ropes or something when you're in. Right. So it's a kind of an easy out, but I think hit training is always relative to the individual. Everyone has their own individual heart rate. Right. 
not just based on their age, it's based on a lot of different factors. So getting that assessment ahead of time before you're going into hit regimen, like you don't know if you're at 85 to 80% or higher unless you know what your max is, right? So there's different formulas you can do, there's different tests you can do. So go to a health and wellness professional and get that data first. And then just know it could be different for everybody. So my 85 year old who's just recovering from a fall and maybe a hip fracture, getting up and out of bed and walking 10 feet could get them, that could be hit training, right? It's not always on a bike, it's not always on an erg. That's kind of how we, um, put it out there in the media. And that's kind of what we see. That's not always hit training. Hit training is relatively individual and resistance training. A lot of time is hit training. If you're putting a barbell on your back and you're doing squats, if you actually track your heart rate, your heart rate's going up over 80%. So that's part of it. And then if that individual is then going on a bike and doing five minutes and they're not really trained for it, they're kind of overtraining. So I would say the other take home for me is not to be again, wearable, 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 but just take a look at your heart rate. It's a very easy thing to look at while you're working out and just take note of where you're, where you are and recovering back down closer to baseline before you go on to that next activity. Or you're without the wearable, your perceived exertion. You yeah. know, when you're saying eight out of 10, you know, you're breathing heavy. It's taking you 30 seconds to a minute just to stop breathing really heavy. Your heart calms down. So, you know, Keeping it in, you know, if it's at eight when you're peaking, bringing it back down to a five before you do your next interval. And these intervals were long, you know, typical interview interval might be 20, 30 seconds, minute at max. These forced eight minute intervals were tough yeah, workouts. That's exceptionally hard. All right, good. That was a good conversation. Hopefully everyone found value in it. Uh, we'll sit, keep trying to pull some articles. Adam, we're looking to you as our, our producer here to keep pulling good articles for us to talk about. And uh, hopefully everyone liked it. Please leave us a review if you did. And we'll see you back next time.